Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Good morning, Outlaws. It's a gorgeous day, minus three. I like giving the weather report. Beautiful, fresh snow. I woke up at probably 3.30 in the morning, and that snow light was illuminating the bedroom. And I just started writing a poem on my phone because I couldn't fall back asleep. And I was thinking about the earthquake. And I was just suffused by the energy of that white light and the freshness of everything when I woke up again. So today we have an entrances with the Kingston poet Bruce Kaufman. But first, I'm going to... uh, tell you a few things that I found about poetry. Sometimes, you know, the word poem and the word poetry keep appearing in different ways in the world that aren't directly connected to even what you are planning to read or expose yourself to. Uh, I was reading, because I was writing a YA novel and will be again, I've been reading a lot of YA novels and this one, The Raven Boys, uh, book one, There's a part where the daughter says to the mother or the mother comes in the room and she says that her mother sat there like a soft poem or soft as a poem. And I just thought, why is poem and poetry always just used in these ways that it just sounds so, you know, like it's moving and meaningful, but it's actually really quite a hollow metaphor, uh, simile there. Uh, poems are mostly not soft, actually. Poems are mostly fierce and intense and unyielding. But it sounds so lovely. Yeah, so that was one little mini irk. And then I was reading the marvelous The New Quarterly, which is always chock full of terrific nonfiction, especially. And there is a shortlisted uh, essay in here from the Edna Stabler uh, personal essay contest shortlist from Sandy Poole and it's called Soft Pink and it's on her having an abortion and it's mostly brilliantly written but there's this part that just oh my gosh uh, where she's getting the drugs before the abortion and she writes the nurse holds my hand well the doctor tells me about how he always wanted to be a poet I tell him most poets wish they'd gone to medical school. Poetry is just another institutional beast, I tell him. We both wince. Yikes! I mean, seriously, when you get to the point where you think poetry is just another institutional beast, you've got to just change your life. Um, I mean, I remember when I was, well, at the end of my master's, I mean, halfway through my master's, I kind of had this like mini breakdown where I couldn't see all of a sudden and I just laid in bed and I felt paralyzed and I couldn't read at all for ages. And then by the time I got to the end of my master's, I I thought, I hate reading. This is just awful when books are my life and my love. So I thought to myself, if this is what academe is doing to me, then two degrees is plenty. Thank you very much. So, apart from those two irks or gurs, I have a little shout-out to Evelyn Lau, who in an interview in the New Quarterly as well, she um, talked about how her and I have known each other for a long time, 
and how she's saying that, you know, when you're young in poetry, you think, oh, there's going to be this trajectory and you're going to move towards some higher plane where suddenly, you know, thousands are going to be interested in your work and you're going to sell so many more copies and you're going to be invited to so many more events or, you know, win so many more awards or whatever it is you have as the vision for yourself as a poet in the world. And uh, so Evelyn is is being asked about what is the reading audience for poetry? What is the literary community? And she says, it's so minimal for poetry. I did a reading recently, I guess one of my first public readings since the pandemic, and there were about 15 people there. I remember talking to another poet, Catherine Owen, who has also been around for a long time. Oh, yes. She also started very young as well. We were both teenagers. We met as teenagers at a reading. Yes, we actually did a reading together when we were teenagers at the Burnaby Art Gallery. And she's about my age. And a few years ago, we were lamenting to each other. It's the same 15 people showing up at our readings now, 40 years later, right? Well, not quite, but, you know, over 30. And why do we do this when it's not easy? So I just thought that was a a beautiful little moment of being remembered. And also a superb and terrifying commentary on the fact that it's it's always best to, to not focus on the externals and the ambition and to just focus on your own drive and your own small vision. And I always say the one. There's always the one that's waiting to listen to you. And that brings me to Bruce Kaufman, who I met a number of years ago, probably around the mid to later 2000s, I would say, when I was on one of my tours, I think maybe it was the Frenzy Tour, and it could have been the Troberitz Tour. But at any rate, I went to go read in Kingston at Novel Idea Books, and he hosted that event as he's hosted at least three or four other of those readings for me, plus a Wolf Island launch for a designated mourner at the cemetery. And uh, he's always put me up at his place and fed me Cheerios. And we've had terrific conversations about poetry. And he's just a marvelous supporter of the arts. Uh, in fact, in 2018, I gave him the first and so far the only uh, Community Creator Award for his work that he's done with uh, performance series. And also he runs a radio show for poetry and he's just just such a warm, lovely human being. So I'll read you his bio, and then you can enjoy his chat and his poem. So Bruce Kaufman, let's see if I can find his bio here and the details about him. Yes, so his bio is, he lives in Kingston. He's a poet, editor, and organizer of literary events. His written work has appeared in several anthologies and journals, two chapbooks, and four collections of poetry. His fifth collection, Still Arriving, will launch this year. Beyond writing and editing, he facilitates intuitive writing workshops. In 2009, he founded and still organizes and hosts the monthly And the Journey Continues open mic reading series. In 2010, he debuted his weekly spoken word radio show, Finding a Voice, on CFRC 101.9 FM, that I have also done interviews with him on and continues to produce and host it, which is not an easy feat. So kudos to you, Bruce. Uh, he's going to chat about seeds. You can hear how he goes backward and backward and backward in his talk. 
on how he's been, you know, for 55 years calling himself a poet. Then he undertakes this excavation where he says, first of all, he fell in love with poetry through Merwin, and then it was before that E. Cummings, and then before that it was Dr. Zhivago, and before that was Winkin, Blinken, and Nod. And he talks about how he attended readings and writing groups in the early 90s, how first of all he was more secretive about his poetry because he felt it was sacred, and then he started sharing it and engaging with community. And he talks about his style, how he likes to write in free verse with a lack of punctuation and lowercase. And then he concludes with a piece based on admiration for Pasternak called Zhivago Again. So please enjoy Bruce Kaufman. First of all, my thanks to Catherine Owen for creating this series called Entrances and for sending me an invitation to take part. So thank you, Catherine. I've enjoyed uh, listening to others in it and will continue to listen for more. After having called myself a poet for now almost 55 years, over especially the last 10 or 15, I've kept going back in time trying to find that first seed. I've long maintained and still do that W.S. Merwin is the poet who made me fall in love with poetry. But I didn't learn of him until perhaps the very late 80s or early 90s. For me, his was as if seeing poetry for the first time, like learning another language, and that language not a second language, but the first one instead. I remember the first time I came across his books. I was in a very large but still indie bookstore, and I, I had become much more interested in and able to devote more time to poetry than I had allowed myself the previous, oh, I don't know, five to ten years. I no longer wanted to simply dabble in it. I started to going to uh, book launches and reading events, attending writing workshops, joining a writing group, and began attending a weekly reading series. It was at that series that I read my poetry out loud for the very first time in perhaps 1992 or 93. No one really outside my family and a couple of friends even knew I wrote poetry in those early years. I just never shared that much. My poetry to me was, I believe, I felt something a bit sacred. But after reading out loud and even being incredibly nervous doing it and thinking back on uh, those other readings I'd attended, I discovered something. I discovered how reading poetry aloud, especially reading one's own work, elevates the poems to another level, another layer, an added dimension. So going back now to that bookstore with me standing looking for a poet on the shelf whose work might just jump out at me, I looked at and read bits and pieces of several books. Finally, I came across a, an author, a poet I had never heard of, W.S. Merwin. I opened first his second book of poems that included 
the moving target, the lice, the carrier of ladders, and uh, writings to an unfinished accompaniment. I read his full four and a half page preface and, and skimmed through the book. I placed it on the small table in front of me and not back on the rack like I'd done with all the others. I wanted more. I reached for his The Rain in the Trees, stood there for nearly an hour leaning against the ceiling high and very deep bookcase, and all the while I read a good portion of the book. I was hooked. Yeah, Merwin made me fall in love with poetry, but that wasn't the seed I was looking for in my recollections. Going back much earlier than that bookstore, one day, each person in my grade 12 English class was given a few typewritten poems on several pages. We were told we each had to look through them and then write our own poem before that hour-long class ended. Perhaps we were told to write a poem in response to one of those poems. Perhaps told to write a poem because we were inspired by one of them. I don't remember. I don't remember who the other poets were, but I do remember seeing a poem by E. E. Cummings and feeling very attracted, attached to it. And somehow, although I had never done it that day, I wrote the required poem and found it was a very comfortable thing to do. And it left me with a sense of an inner warmth, a softness of sorts, a peace. And later that year, as I began university, I began writing quite religiously and, as already mentioned, secretively. I had my pen and simply pieces of paper and would write down things as they came to me. Then would go back to my room and type a full poem and that from all that. And nearly all the poems I wrote in university and for a while after consisted of four line rhyming stanzas. And yes, that day in high school and then through university were extremely vital next steps, but again, still, they weren't the seed. A few years before that grade 12 English class was 14, I believe. I went to see the movie Dr. Zhivago. I fell in love with that film. To this day, it's still my favorite. I watched it despite its longish length several dozen times. I did read Boris Pasternak's book, the movie, was based on after took a while. But that evening, I knew coming out of that theater and on that long ride home, I knew, I, I absolutely knew that one day I would be a poet. And I wanted that to be true more than anything else I had ever wanted at that point to be true. Memory is a funny thing, how it's not linear. Much like the short ramble, I guess. 
Memory is perhaps like taking the meandering scenic drive on an old highway or even a dirt road along the coast or by a river instead of that multi-lane highway going straight from city A to city B. And although I had long thought that movie was the seed, that very first thing, I think I now realized what began this journey with a seed sprouting that happened when I was perhaps maybe four or five years old. In those days, at least occasionally, my mother would read to my sister and me while we were both tucked into our beds. One night, I remember this, oh my gosh, remember this vividly even today, she read a poem called Winkin, Blinkin' and Nod. Didn't know this then, but it was a poem written by Eugene Field in 1889 and was originally called Dutch Lullaby. I requested it often. Once in a great while, my mother would give in and, and read it instead of something else she had selected to read that night. And yes, maybe therein is the seed. And fast forward to today, I guess. I do have a fifth collection of poetry coming out, I believe in early uh, 2023 this year. Uh, the collection is called Still Arriving, will be published by Wet Ink Books, and uh, since I've already mentioned him, one poem in it is an elegiac poem for W.S. Merwin, uh, who did pass away after my last book uh, was published in 2019. This book is once again a free verse collection and carries over from my other work that uh, kind of lack of punctuation thing for me. Had already been doing that by the 1980s and felt after discovering Merwin, I, I had free reign to continue. As well, the poems in this collection, again, are fully lowercase. Perhaps that is something I acquired from Cummings. The poem from this new book that I'd like to share is based on my admiration again for Boris Pasternak and my ongoing love affair with the movie Dr. Zhivago. Here it is. Zhivago again. And the epigraph. After Boris Pasternak's novel Dr. Zhivago with reference to a scene in David Lean's 1965 film based on the book. Oh, Pasternak, Zhivago, how you arrive again in these days and my dreams to comfort, to haunt. We both, all, torn inside, outside, by family, place, yours and my fiction or not, different, arid, distant, but somehow parallel lives, either of us married to ink as much as flesh. And this morning, dear Larissa,
after I now too have become the deserter, having crossed through blizzards over frozen tundra, left my steed dead along the way, then stumbling, almost frozen, find myself as if surprised at last to be at the foot of your building, with snow wind-burnt eyes looking up the stairs to the door of your flat. Fumble with a loosened stone, a secret place in the wall, to find your key, and a note to me, saying, what joy. I've heard you have been spotted just outside of town. I am so excited to learn you are both still alive and here. And I stand here trembling as I read it this morning, nearly frozen nearly dead, almost home. Thank you. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians. <laughs>